0: Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest on the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have Jonathan Schroyer on the line, and he is Chief Customer Experience Innovation Officer at Arise Virtual Solutions. And he was also the co-founder and CEO of Officium Labs, which was recently acquired. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for the time, Adam. Excited to share some of my thoughts and be part
1: of the Mission Matters podcast and live stream.
0: Oh, man. So, Jonathan, uh, really excited to have you on the show today. And really for us to dig into customer experience or CX and what that means and how businesses should be looking at that concept overall as a profit center versus maybe some of the ways they've looked at it in the past as a cost or an expense. So Jonathan excited to get into this topic with you. And just to get us kicked off, we'll start with our Mission Matters minute. So Jonathan, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives and experts. That's our mission. Jonathan, what Mission Matters to you? Well, for me Adam, when I was a kid, I grew up in a small town in
1: Texas and one of the things that You know, I noticed early on was there just wasn't as much technology, service, and other job opportunities in those small towns. And so our mission has always been, how do you bring those economic opportunities through business to those small communities? And that's why we created a fishing, which I know we'll double click into a little bit later. But really, how do you give people opportunities, no matter where they live in the world, to have purposeful work, to be able to uplift the economies where they live, and also to have fun with their families?
0: Awesome. Love bringing mission-based entrepreneurs and executives on the line to really just share what they do, how they're making a difference in the world, how they're adding value, what gets them excited and motivated. So great stuff there, Jonathan. And um, maybe just to start us off, I mean, take us a little bit further back in your journey. So how'd you get started as an, as an entrepreneur? Like when did you get the bug? Well, it's interesting.
1: I started off my career in large enterprise companies. So, you know, the Microsofts, the Autodesk, the semantics of the world. I never really envisioned myself as an entrepreneur. I thought that, you know, I was going to be mid-level to large kind of enterprise company, you know, throughout my entire career. But as I continued through my career, it became clear to me that I had a lot of different ideas and ideas that would be met more in a more agile way and have more capability of coming to the market in a startup arena. So a few years ago, when I was with Forte Labs, mm-hmm. you know, I came up with this idea around a decentralized network of CS workers. And I thought, and I thought hey, this, would, this is what the future of CX is, is a decentralized network of profit-based workers. And I said, hey, I, I want to try this out. And the CEO of Forte Labs, Kevin Shu, who's a visionary in my mind, he, he said, hey, why don't you spin out from the company and try this out and see what happens? <laughs> and, and, and so he gave us a little bit of seed cash to do that and with four people, you know, at $150,000, $200,000. And then let, let's, let's see what happens. And, you know, you fast forward two years later, you know, we you know, 10 million in revenue, 30 plus customers and so forth. So I think yeah. it's just that wanting to change and wanting to do something different. I found it to be much easier in a startup environment than an enterprise environment.
0: What an amazing story and what an amazing success. And, you know, I know there's some entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs um, also that are watching this and maybe they're a little bit, you know, further behind in their career, not behind, but they're a little, not quite as far along in their career, I should say, Um, as an entrepreneur. What kind of advice would you give to that person that's really just getting out there, getting started?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I think in order to have a successful startup business you have to have a problem that you're trying to solve you have to have a different way to solve it than anyone else has done Mm -hmm. it it has to you have to be able to monetize it Mm -hmm. and then you have and then i would say you have to have the passion to really to go after it to believe in yourself it's one of going to be one of the most difficult things you ever do to be Mm -hmm. successful at it there's going to be ups and downs that that resilience you know that grit just hold on to that and if those first three kind of business things that i mentioned come through then great what you'll mostly find is as you go along the way you're going to pivot a little bit from your original idea (laughs) Um, but that's part of that resilience to get to whether you want to be a 10 million 100 billion a billion dollar you know startup i think those are some of the tips that i would share
0: Yeah, and just digging a little bit deeper to that pivot moment. I feel like sometimes when an entrepreneur, you know, they're so passionate about an idea, they have a certain way, they want something or certain thing, but the market's giving them something that, you know, they still want to, you know, maybe purchase or or like follow them on their path and reward them obviously monetarily, but maybe it's a slightly different idea or something different. And it's not exactly what they originally envisioned, but you know it still works and it's still and it still could be a great, you know, prospering business. I know as I look at you know our company and Mission Matters and some of the ways that we thought it would initially be like, we didn't know we were going to be a podcasting company, we didn't know we were going to have all these shows. We started out as a publishing company, so we published books, we still publish a lot of books, but. That's what we thought. The podcast was supposed to just be started to sell more books and then go, go, lo and behold, you know, you fast forward a couple of years later and that part of the business is the demands just way out, way outpaced what right. we ever thought or we could do in terms of with books in general. So it wasn't, we were still playing in our, in our sandbox, so to speak, we were still doing what we do well, which is, you know, helping entrepreneurs and executives tell their story. We were still doing that. It was just a different medium and just a different format. What would you say to somebody that's maybe facing one of those pivot moments and they're thinking about like, ah, this isn't exactly what I was thinking originally. Like, am I because it's not easy just to we we throw this term around now, you know, since let's just say, you know, COVID, these other things happen pandemic wise to where we're like, okay, pivot, pivot, pivot. And we throw it out there, but it's it can be painful sometimes to pivot. It's not like easy just to say, okay, we're going to do this versus this.
1: You have to be kind of a future visionary type of person, right? And you, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to to make those changes. And sometimes they're difficult, sometimes they're challenging, but oftentimes they're the right changes. What I would give advice on is what's the core values and the core purpose of what you create in the company? Mm. How that be- goes to market may look a little bit differently than it did on the whiteboard or on the walks through the city of LA for you guys, the city of San Francisco for us. Yeah, It may look a little bit different, but if you're still able to achieve your core value and core purpose, you have to adapt to the mar- what the market is saying. And I would even say it would be in your best interest to be five to six years ahead of the market. That's I was having a conversation with Nate Brown, our customer experience officer at Fissium Labs a few weeks ago. And I said, we were talking about the cost center to the profit center, the ROI yeah. of CDX. And I said, the ideas that we had five years ago everybody's now catching on to. So now we're only two years ahead. So what is our next idea, Mm -hmm. our next thought, our next vision of how we can be five to six to 10 years ahead of the market? Mm -hmm. And so I think as you think at the high level, it's easier to pivot when you have a long-term vision that's aligned to a purpose where the tactical changes aren't necessarily as relevant as the value that you do long-term for your client, customers, and
0: for your community and your people. So let's start the conversation with CX and defining that, because I don't want to assume that everybody watching this, I mean, it becomes one of those things we uh, toss around another buzzword, right? But what does it really mean? So maybe start off with telling us a little bit more about about CX or customer experience and how it's traditionally um, been viewed in in many businesses. That's a great question. So when you think about the customer
1: experience, I like to simplify it down. So let's imagine you, Adam, have bought a product. Uh, So product And the minute that you buy a product, your customer experience or your experience with that product has begun. Yeah, And the minute that you stop using that product, then your customer experience has ended. And so whether you are using the product on a daily basis, a weekly basis, whether it's hardware, software, virtual game, whatever it is, your experience with that product is either going to delight you. You're going to be like, oh, that's kind of average. Or it's going to frustrate you. And if, if your experience with that product delights you, you're probably going to continue to use that product or that service, right? Sure. And so, when you're looking at the entire spectrum of your experience from the start to the end, there are many different points along the way. Maybe you have a question, you talk to support. Maybe you engage with their their website or their app. Maybe you engage with other people in the in a community. All of those things are inside of that customer experience. And so, yeah. in the kind of in the '70s and '80s. A lot of people talked about customer service. Like yeah. Adam has a problem with product A, so he contacts the company, the company responds, and yeah. and and it's and then it's completed, assuming that it's resolved, right? And whether you like that response or not, and then whether you enjoyed the product, you left, right? There was, yeah. That was pretty much what people thought customer experience was. But really, that was just a tactical engagement between yourself and the company or the brand, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you think about customer experience, you have to broaden it out to the entire engagement that you have with the brand that you chose to buy that ostensibly perhaps that you love. And so when we created Efficium, we wanted to disrupt it because when you look at disrupt CX, because when you look at what sarb.com said, $339 billion is lost a year because of poor customer experience.
0: You said billion, right? Billion, billion with a B. And, the B.
1: <laughs> and and those companies that lose the three hundred thirty nine billion, according to Statista, about two hundred billion is spent on customer experience and customer service. So you're essentially spending two dollars to lose three dollars. Wow! And we're like, this is a broken model. We have to fix this. And so that's what the McKay, K Mike Co and I set out to do is to do what you were mentioning earlier about transitioning from a cost center focus to a profit center focus. Now, how that dovetails back into customer experience is that every time that you engage with that brand, that you engage with that product, you're making a buying decision. Mm. And when you think about that at the digital, uh, especially digital footprint, gaming, apps, and so forth, it's it's not only a daily decision; it's a minute yeah. decision; it's an hourly decision. You know. And so, how how do companies maximize yeah. your eyeballs? Maximize the time that you spend with them and give you the experience that matches the love that you have for the brand. Or my friend Rochelle Devers says, the emotional affinity that you have with the brand. If you have emotional affinity with the brand, it's like your your Starbucks cup of coffee you have to have in the morning. And so that's the real kind of thought process behind best-in-class, profit center, CX, or customer experience. It's that journey in creating emotional affinity with that brand. And that's what we help companies do.
0: So I don't want to oversimplify this because I know that every company is going to be a little bit different, size of company, industry, different things. But you've been doing this a long time. So you're, you see trends and things that happen over and over and over again. Where do you find that um, many, many brands or companies kind of drop the ball when it comes to their, whether it's strategic planning or just how they execute with with CX overall?
1: Well, I, I think what tends to happen in boardrooms mm-hmm. is they focus on optimize uh, rather than protect. Those are the two simple ways that I think about it. If you optimize your business, then you're thinking about customer experience and customer service as a cost center. Yeah. You know, how can we do it for the least amount of money and just hit the bare minimum? You know, satisfaction or, or other operational metrics, right? Mm. So that we feel good about what we're doing for the market. So yeah. that's the optimize, and there's. There's always going to be a space for optimization. For sure. Business, you should always think about that. But when you think about protect, when you think about that, you know, that your clients, or your customers are the lifeblood of your company, you have to protect that relationship. You have to engage with them. You have to be their ambassador. And mm-hmm. so when you think with that type of a mindset, you think of well, what are the activities that we're doing in product and customer experience and customer service in mm-hmm. marketing, all these other areas with the intent to create a decade long relationship with this mm-hmm. to protect them from leaving, and then it changes the dynamic. And so what you're th- what you're finding is those next generation companies that are starting to think about protect those, are the companies that are actually rising up and becoming, you know, $500 billion, trillion dollar companies. Yeah. They understand that the companies that shortchange themselves and just think about optimization, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen in the customer service area. If they're only thinking about optimization, they're thinking about it in product. They're thinking about it in marketing and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so my viewpoint is that you can optimize your way to the end of your business fairly quickly, right? And so yeah. you have to have that balance of protect and optimize. And when you do, then that you're going to be super successful as a company.
0: Yeah. Fantastic, yeah, and as and as we do that, and and just at Mission Matters, and we and I we work with other people, and we're thinking about that. I never consider protect versus optimize, but I love that word. So protect just put it just it just adds another layer, it adds another angle, and uh, to me, just even on this interview, it's a bit of a paradigm shift. I'm going to start using that word in our lexicon um, for, you know, how we talk about customer experience. So, so, so this is part of the reason why I do this show right here, Jonathan, I get the best people in the world at what they do and then they teach me how to run my business. Thank you. Uh, I'll be here for it. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, I do want to talk about Arise, but I want to, I do want to um, first go a little bit further into Fisium Labs. You told us part of the story in terms of starting it and why you started it, but I want to go a little bit further. So now, of course, you've you know, you've exited the business. I mean, lots going on there. Where do you want to start with Oficium Labs?
1: Well, I think the easiest way to think about Oficium Labs is when we started, we believed a couple of things. So one, which we've touched on really well, which is the, the problems yeah. and the focus. And that's our transform business. You know, we, have, we help companies really understand how do you create a profit center based customer service, the and customer experience organization and framework. And then we show them how to mathematically prove it out so yeah. that the executives at the boardroom understand the value of customer service and customer experience. And so that was kind of our transform business. Our second business that you know, we call is the connect business. And this, this really goes to the heart of this decentralized work component mm-hmm. where people can work anywhere in the world. And as long as they have the platform, the technology, and the opportunity, they're ostensibly a network of workers that are bringing value to clients and customers around the world. And that's when I originally thought up of Visium, I was actually sitting on my my living room kind of recliner, and I looked down at the Wi-Fi, and I said, that's the future of service. The future of service is a a network of workers' technology and capabilities where you can tap workers from anywhere in the world to clients and technologies to create kind of this profit center focus. Our connect business does that. It's on demand frontline customer service uh, community QA, which is game testing or or other types of QA uh, as well as when you think about localization and so forth, but it's that frontline service person that's on demand. And what you see, if you kind of peel back the onion a little bit in service and experience organizations, there's huge demand spikes in those businesses. So having an on-demand business or some people like to call it, used to call us the AWS of human capital, right? Having That on-demand nature where you could plug and play and help play and stuff. That's our connect business. And then our last business was our innovate business. And that was really looking at products and technologies that transcend and where we are today to help the protect and the optimize, whether choosing AI, whether Mm -hmm. choosing analytics, whether choosing other tech platforms, Workforce management optimization and so forth. And what we find is by using our technology, whether it's through us or our partners, we're able to optimize the business at the at the same time that we protect it by about twenty to thirty percent. So that's kind yeah. of the three kind of pillars, or we like to think of them as a service stack. You know, uh, sort of three service stack components that helped us help clients really realize the profit in their capability.
0: What an amazing story. And so now you, you've chosen to move on and now you, now you work at Arise and you're working in uh, no doubt, of course, CX again, which I would not, which I would expect nothing less. Um, what led to that decision? What led to that decision to kind of transition? Well, I think you covered it earlier in the call when you were talking about pivots,
1: right? Mm -hmm. So oftentimes as a, as a startup founder, if you're focused on your purpose, your vision and your values. Yeah you're, you're not so concerned about you being the only person in the world that does the thing, right? Yeah. You're more concerned about like, how can I continue to deliver that?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what you'll find, I mean, the world's an enormous place, right? There's 6 billion people. I I didn't invent network-based economies. I didn't invent, you know, you know economies based on decentralized yeah. workers. and I, And I also didn't invent work from home and remote, right? All of those okay. concepts existed before me. I, I just brought those together in a meaningful and interesting way that would help the market get value. And what what you see with the rise is they've been doing something similar to us for about twenty seven years. Wow. Well, when I created a on the West Coast, I didn't know about Arise on the East Coast, and so forth. But over the last twenty seven years, they've been building, you know, a decentralized workforce of, of service partners that bring mm-hmm. value to huge, enormous brands um, yeah. all, all over the world. And it's amazing. So what we, we were at this impetus point in Eficium is like in order for us to take that next scale stage, yeah. we needed to have an investment in product, an investment in technology, as well as a number of other kind of capabilities that we didn't have. And so yeah. we thought, hey, we could go the VC route and continue to do this on our own, uh, we, or we could go the acquisition route. And mm-hmm. we could find somebody that has a similar thought process to us, has those capabilities, believes in our, our vision, our purpose, and where we could actually provide value to them. The old wow. addict, one plus one equals three, right? And yeah, I- to us. So we talked with a number of folks uh, and we really up strongly that our rise was well-positioned over the next five, 10, 20 years to not only help us fulfill our vision, our purpose, but to do it 10x better than we could have ever done it ourselves. And so that's why we were super excited to, to join the Arise family and to bring what the best of us to the best of them so that we can great, create amazing together.
0: Yeah, that that is a, an amazing story. When you think about an acquisition partner, when things line up, they just line up. That's like I've been told this by by many people that have been through that, um, through through the process. It's like sometimes you just know. Like obviously there's the surface level stuff. Um, but then as you start digging deeper and you mm-hmm. think about like, can I see this, like, is this going to, and if the light bulb keeps going off and there's just more and more positives that kind of outweigh maybe the other side of things, then it just becomes that, you know, that great marriage. Um, and so you, you mentioned um, one thing about them was that, you know, over 20 some years, they've been building this great, you know, experience. Um, tell us more about the 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 company just overall.
1: Well, the right is a company, you know, they... They started 27 years ago, and they wanted to revolutionize the way that customer service and customer experience
0: was done. and mm-hmm. And so they they came up with the concept well before. That's we pretty, by the way. That's pretty groundbreaking when we think yeah. about it. You know, well, 30 I mean, years ago to be having that discussion—that's right. That's amazing. That's right.
1: I mean, I like to say that, and I believe it's true yeah. that they invented remote work or work from home because back in 99 and 2000, nobody was doing it.
0: Right. Yeah, this is I mean, like they, Skype. I mean, Skype days, that's just when Skype is right. just kind of right. coming online if I, if my memory serves me correct. Um like it's just coming online. Yeah. So the idea to just be online doing that was novel and new. So working through that method must have been even sounded even more crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean if you think about it like we'll use Microsoft as a, a yeah. as a benchmark here. Microsoft 2000 just came out after they started their company, right? Um, and so they were really groundbreaking and they thought about the, they said the future of work. And if you look on our, our website at arise, one of the mission is, you know, to help people change the way that we work. They said the future of work was going to be this kind of work from home remote, um, decentralized type of work. And, and so they've been building it over the last 27 years. So I come along two years ago, I'm like the future of service, you know, and, <laughs> and it's a great idea. I didn't invent it, but the, the cool thing is they they've mastered it, right? Yeah. And you, you look over a it, last twenty seven years, and you know they have 70, 75,000 plus you know service partners, yeah. and, and workers on their network. They have amazing brands. They have a, a, a wonderful platform and technology and capability. And so they're, I mean, they're just it's just amazing the work that they've done without having COVID. Right? COVID just kind of yeah. helped the rest of the world see what was already coming that Arise already knew. Mm-hmm. Right. And that if this team started to understand a few years ago. And so I, I just think it's amazing the the journey that they've taken and the opportunity that's in front of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is that there's just so much opportunity, especially with the infrastructure they've built, you know, and I, so I get it. Like, as you explain yes. this story and as you're thinking, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this makes perfect sense. You plug the two together and then you both win and that, and of yeah. course the clients win you know the 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 um the businesses that use the services win and uh, the workers ultimately benefit quite a bit um and so we think about the workers we think about the customers um i mean just a lot of wins in this scenario i see
1: yeah i mean totally and i think if you think about the business value so you've got the community and the workers right or the yeah. service partners there's enormous amounts of on a value of moving capital and economy from tech hub to local communities, which which I said was, you know, one of my missions. So I love that yeah. part of this, but the other part of the business is when you look at the protect side of the business, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the lab that they have, the technology that they have as well as, but the officium lab and our capabilities, it really focuses on the protect side. Right. Yeah. And then you look at the optimized side of the business. One of the hardest things to do in customer service and customer experience is to match supply and demand, and their platform does it effortlessly. Why? Wow. Um, so, I, so I think that's one of the coolest things as well, is that it helps companies optimize their business without having to sacrifice quality of
0: work. That's big time. Well, Jonathan, I just have to say, this has been a lot of fun learning about your journey, about the, the acquisition, um, I, a lot on your plate, obviously, a huge client base now that that are that are being served as well. Um, I mean, what's next? I mean, what's next for you? What's next for Arise?
1: Well, I think there's a there's an old term called nail and scale. And scale. Yeah. I feel like at Epistim Labs, we nailed it. Uh, we yeah, nailed it on the disruption. We nailed it on figuring out what the market is ready for. We nailed, we nailed it on you know building a strong business that it was worthy of an exit. Now, and we nailed it with finding an amazing acquisition partner. So now it's time to scale. It's time to, you know, $10 million in two years, you know, immense hundreds of millions of, you know, protected revenue that we've done from clients, right? Let's scale that, you know, let's scale that to billions of value to clients mm-hmm. and, and, and let's scale that to, to millions and billions of do- dollars of economy and local communities. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go back to that mission moment that I shared earlier. How do we help the, the 10-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 16-year-old version of myself, or maybe that doesn't look like me, but it looks like somebody else or it looks like my sister or my friends or whatever and help them find purpose in their lives, find purpose in their community. If they want to move to big cities, great, but if they want to stay in small communities and uplift those communities, even better. So let's nail it. Let's scale it and let's help others, you know, feel the value of what we've helped those so far to feel as well and to achieve. That's, that's what I think is next.
0: Man, I love it. And I've never heard that term, nail it and scale it. I'm in. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Definitely. a new one for me. I don't get new ones that often. So thank you for that, first off.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, I think the future is bright. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to share some of our story with, you know, your viewers of Mission Matters. And, you know, you know, you and I had some great free chats about other companies and other leaders. So it's, it's just fantastic to be part
0: of your community. Thanks for the time and the opportunity. Absolutely. And uh, if somebody's watching this right now and they want to learn more about Arise, I mean, and to follow your journey, I mean, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: I mean, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, You can follow Fissium Labs and Arise on LinkedIn. We have some amazing kind of stories and blogs. Or you can go to Arise.com and see where the future of work is and how you can become part of it.
0: Fantastic. Um And for the audience, I will definitely have all of those um, those links and stuff like that in the show notes on the final cut and the pop for the podcast, all that good stuff. And the the blog post to be up on MissionMatters.com. So go check that out. Um, and uh, if this is your first time with us tuning into Mission Matters, um, we're all about amplifying stories for entrepreneurs and executives and really just helping them reach an audience and to inspire, to educate and also to just pay it forward to the future generations. This content is what we're doing. And I um, mean, that's why we do it. Um, if this is your first time, again, hit that subscribe button. Have many more mission based uh, entrepreneurs and executives mm-hmm. coming up. And we don't want you to miss a thing. And uh, Jonathan, really, it has been a pleasure getting to know more about yourself, your journey, and all the great work at Officium and Not Labs. And now um, Arise, wishing you much more continued success. And thank you.
1: Thank you, good sir. Have a good day.